This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms platforms. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing on this bank holiday Monday. Well, Ireland going to week two, top of the Six Nations table after their bonus point win over Wales. They lead Scotland who are second in the table on points difference after their bonus point win over England and France are in third also on five points. Well, what a week we have to come. It's the big one, the number one ranked team in the world against the number two ranked team in the world and it's effectively a Grand Slam decider with Ireland against France at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday. Keen Tracy is here. Keen, we're after getting the latest fitness bulletin from the RFU and not good news on the injury front. No, um, Jameson Gibson Park, Keen Healy, and Tyg Furlong have all been ruled out um, through injury, which is obviously um, a major blow. We can we can get into it, but definitely the kind of mood music coming out of the weekend was that they were probably going to be fit. So um, it's really disappointing, obviously, to be missing three players of that caliber, particularly Jameson Gibson Park and Tyg Furlong, who were so important. And I know Finley Beelham and Conor Murray did really well in Cardiff on Saturday, but I still think Ireland are a better team, obviously, with Tyg Furlong and Gibson Park uh, there. So, yeah, they've they've been ruled out in terms of uh, cover. Connacht scrum half, Quaylen Blade has been called up and Leinster do said Michael Milne. So, like, that's interesting. Blade's obviously been capped once before back in 2021. A lot of Connacht fans, I think, would have been disappointed that he hasn't got... Uh, more of a look-in, so he'll get a chance to prove himself at training this week. And um, I know the Ireland coaches in Leinster really rate Michael Millen. We haven't really seen a lot of him um, yet, but they they do really rate him highly. So um, highly unlikely that either of those players are going to feature uh, this weekend unless there's a raft of injuries in training. Um, Johnny Sexton is due to complete his HIA process later today. And then Ronan Kelleher is due to return to training later this week. And Ireland have also decided to keep uh, Roman Salanoa and Tom Stewart in the squad as well, which I think is uh, which is no harm, really. So, yeah, not good news, Sinead. Uh, they're three big players, like I said, to be missing. And it's disappointing. I know, you know, Andy Farrell has made such a point of, you know, like embrace the chaos that's going on around you. But there's no doubt you'd want to have the world's leading tight head going into this kind of game, particularly when you know what kind of scrum power that the French are going to bring. Yeah, I was going to get into the personnel, possible personnel changes uh, later, almost thinking that uh, Jameson Gibson Park was going to be back. And Andy Farrell did mention it in the post-match press conference in Cardiff on Saturday evening, you know, about there being a call to be made, whether Conor Murray or Craig Casey would start. Who would you start now for France on Saturday? I think Conor Murray played well on Saturday. I really do. Um, and I think, you know, I think 
the his kind of downfall, for want of a better term, has been greatly exaggerated, I think, by a lot of supporters. Um, okay, he's not James in Gimson Park, but like I mean, if you look at that twenty five minutes, twenty seven minutes that Ireland played in Cardiff on Saturday, Conor Murray was a key part of that. His service was outstanding. Now, Craig Casey did really well when he came on, but I don't see any reason to drop Conor Murray personally. Uh, I thought he did well, and I thought that kind of one two impact with Casey coming coming off the bench worked well so I wouldn't see any reason to change that I think it's slightly concerning that um Gibson Park and Furlong have you know, these are, yeah these are injuries they've had before and like it's it's kind of what it's something's obviously happened to Furlong because we I was chatting to him in an interview the day before Leinster played Racing at the Aviva a few weeks ago and like he was so upbeat and he looked fit he said he was fit he'd been training but I don't know if there's an element of Ireland are just being overly cautious given the year that's in it but I don't get the sense that that they would be doing that because he has barely played any rugby this season but I suppose the point is he's had a lot of injuries in that area and it's kind of a little bit concerning maybe it's a the amount of rugby he's played on the back of the Lions tour and things like that so and Gibson Park as well has had a hamstring injury at the start of the season which he he missed uh, the first chunk of games after he came back from New Zealand so it's a little bit concerning, I would think, their injury profile. Obviously, the World Cup is way far away, and it is a chance to test, further test the squad depth. But um, I think Andy Farrell would be a little bit concerned by the profile of the, their injuries. Yeah, and of course, Finlay Bealham showed how well and how comfortable he was, how well he was able to handle uh, the Wales pack. But my goodness, it's going to be a different story with the French pack coming here this weekend. Yeah, like I'm actually writing a piece on, on that tomorrow. Like, I mean, you just look at the power that like Uni Antonio and Paul Willems there are going to bring on the, the tight head side in particular. But like Finley Bealham did really well. I mean, he won a scrum penalty. Um, like, I thought he ran out of steam a little bit, which is probably fair enough. A lot of players were blowing hard. It was the first first test. Um, but you do, you know, you do miss Tyg Furlong's kind of link play um, as well as Finley Bealham did. And I thought he was excellent. I mean, there's very few players with the skills and that's so comfortable within this Irish system. And Tyg Furlong is so important in that because he's so often the link between the forwards and the back. So um, that's probably the next stage of Finley Bealham's development. And I don't think we can expect too much too soon. I mean, what was it? His fifth start, was it, last weekend? And one of those has come at Yeah. Yeah, so he's yeah he's definitely still getting used to the system and what's being asked of him. But really, really encouraging now to know because, like, I think we made this point uh, maybe last week. But like, I think this time last year, if Tyg Furlong had been ruled out, you kind of would have been going okay, like panic stations a little bit. So I think that's a testament to how well fin- Finley Beelham has been playing. So um, this is though is an it is an next level. I thought I thought Wales would provide much more of a scrummaging test than Ireland did. Um, I know Andrew Porter gave away one penalty in the first half, but it never really materialised at all. So uh, they won't be under any illusion of what's coming this weekend against like one of the, the best packs uh, in the world. And France will probably go with a 6-2 split on the bench like South Africa do as well. So you'll have that to contend with as well. So uh, yeah, a very different uh, test and prospect this weekend. So we obviously got your thoughts in the immediate aftermath of the game on Saturday. You've been going through it in detail, uh, Keen, since with your breakdown article and all the rest. Anything else that kind of stood out for you uh, about that performance? Yeah, I've watched it back a, a couple of times now. Um, no, I, I think like what, what we spoke about after the game, like it was just so impressive, the the opening half an hour. Um, like it really reminded me of the Wellington, the third test, just how accurate they were, how clinical they were. Um, and like, of course, it's going to be difficult to maintain 
maintain that over the course of 80 minutes and Wales were always going to have the purple patch but I think they'll be really disappointed um, with how they manage the game like the discipline was shocking like absolutely shocking they only conceded two penalties in the first half and I think it rose to what was it 12 or 13 maybe yeah. uh, by the time it was over and Andrew Porter was probably the guilty party there he conceded five penalties in the space of 10 minutes either side of half time so um you know like Andrew Porter plays in the edge like all good players you don't want to like get rid of that out of his game but some of the penalty concessions were just so so sloppy and I think the way Ireland mismanaged the game if it had been against a better team a more clinical attack just like France are I think that would have been a very very different game so it's a good place to be in I think you know like I kind of touched on after the game it keeps everyone grounded that you know no one's bouncing in the squad are meeting up today for the first time and no one is kind of bouncing in I think with any airs or graces about them they know that it has to be a really really improved performance and that's not a bad place to be I don't think yeah, and Ross Byrne, when he came on, really settled things again, Keane, didn't he? And he came off the bench uh, two years ago uh, when Ireland uh, lost to France at the Aviva Stadium by just the two points. But uh, he really controlled and handled things and got them almost back on track there when he came on as well, didn't he? He did, and he played flat to the line as well. And that's been one of the criticisms that I think a lot of people would have had of Ross Byrne when he has had his chances for Ireland that he plays too deep, but he came on and he was putting guys into good positions. And, you know, you can watch him dictating, you know, things around him, which I think is a really good sign in terms of how he's got more vocal keen hasn't he ah for sure yeah like yeah, you've said that before of, yeah. yeah in terms of the Leinster point of view I think it's easier to do it in Leinster because he plays so many games because Johnny Sexton obviously just doesn't play as many games um, be it actual injury or just managing him but you can see it in Leinster how much of a leader he is and I was really encouraged by the way that he actually seemed to carry that into the Irish setup because it's very different particularly when you've been on the outside and like, let's be fair, like people have criticised him, probably wrote off his international career, but he came back and he did really well. Like if Ireland hadn't gotten the bonus point on Saturday, it would have been a travesty. Like Absolutely, it would have been, yeah. a, it would have been a disaster because this is a championship that could come down to points difference in the end. So if they hadn't gotten the the bonus point try, it would have been a really, really poor return. But um, all three way teams, Keen got the bonus yeah. point last weekend, which is yeah, a bit of a mad, a mad one. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. But like th- those bonus points are going, could be really, really important by the time, you know, you're totting up the, yeah. the points when it comes down to it so um you know I thought the bench made a big impact and a lot of those guys are going to push for I think for starts this weekend you already mentioned the kind of Craig Casey Conor Murray debate I'd say Bundy Aki will be pushing uh for a start I thought Stuart McCloskey did really well and I don't really see a huge reason to drop him but Bundy was excellent off the bench again um Ian Henderson was good Jack Conan was good so plenty of options despite you know missing so it's such a key trio just getting on to that Keane like I personally would start Bundyaki. Stuart McCloskey did nothing wrong um, in Cardiff last weekend, but the way Bundy came on, he did give away that penalty, all right, but I thought Bundy was very impressive when he came on. I mean, point to prove for sure. Yeah, that that penalty I thought was very harsh as well. Um, that that he that he conceded, but um, it, it it's kind of like one of those ones where Bundyaki has been so good off the bench now last weekend, and he was so good off the bench in against Australia. Do you kind of want to have that kind of power coming off the bench, particularly what with what France are going to roll off? So it's a bit of a catch twenty two. Like I thought, Stuart McCloskey did well, probably a little bit like maybe the Australia game, maybe faded as the game went on, but. I don't know. I, I, I'd be inclined maybe to keep him there and have Bundy coming off the bench. I wouldn't have any qualms at all about Bundy Aki starting. But if 
if Bundyaki is starting, then I'm not sure if Stuart McCloskey would be on the bench. Maybe you'll, you'll rotate it off. So it would be very harsh to drop him from the 23 altogether. But um, no, I think he's become a real viable option now. I mean, he started the last four games for Ireland. They've won all four games. So He said um, that after the game, yeah, the last day, yeah. yeah. And it would be unbelievably harsh, I think, to just bomb him out altogether, like particularly when he didn't didn't play that badly. But I think you'd like to see him have a few more involvements. I mean, he had one brilliant carry in the first half where, you know, he kind of showed his pace and his power, but then threw a lovely offload to Conor Murray to keep the ball alive. And Yeah, you know, I saw you pass- tweet that yesterday, uh, Keen. Yeah, that was, yeah. Absolutely, that, that was, that like was that, lovely stuff. That's what he's capable of. And also, his role in the opening try shouldn't be forgotten about either. The pass he threw out to, to James Lowe was beautiful. Um, and that put Ireland down deep into the Wales 22. So he had lots of good moments. I just think maybe he needs more of them. But I, I would keep him there personally, even though, like I said, I wouldn't have any arguments uh, about Bundyaki starting either. Yeah, no, what you say totally makes sense. Come here, we need to talk about France and their game with Italy yesterday. They were 22-24 down before Mathieu Jalibert scored a late try and they got that bonus point win over Italy at 29 points to 24. Um, of course, not that they would have been in any way complacent uh, coming to Dublin, but it might work to the benefit that they got that bit of a shock on the opening weekend as well. Yeah, I think the bear has well and truly been poked. And yeah, there, there was a there was definitely definitely a bang of complacency off it, and I think it's a real warning sign to everyone in the Six Nations that like you can't really take Italy for for granted anymore. And to be fair, Ireland haven't, and you know we're going to be having these same conversations in two weeks. You know, France are going to be calling for wholesale changes in the team, but I guarantee you there won't be. Um, Andy Farrell for the Six Nations last year kept a pretty much a strong team, so I think Italy deserved that respect. Carl has shown that though in the past, you know, that he, he wants to keep that subtle side. Yeah, and like, you know, you can understand the, the building the depth, but you look at the depth that's being built, which is being forced upon him at the moment. So I still think he he's getting that through injuries. So uh, yeah, like Italy were so, so impressive. I don't think France will be as poor again in Dublin this weekend. They had major issues with Matthew Carley. I think was it 18 penalties they conceded. Now, I think there's definitely... A kind of, I would say, a concern within France that the way the top 14 is refed is just very different to what we'll say the URC, the Premiership, and come into the Six Nations because they just couldn't get a handle on um, Matthew Carley at all, particularly around the breakdown. Now, lots of it was sloppy French play. And, you know, one of the hallmarks of this French team under Galtier has been how improved their discipline has been. And lots of that has been, you know, credited with Sean Sean Edwards' influence. But to see them kind of go back to their old ways was jarring, really. But um, it's another Englishman in charge this weekend. Wayne Barnes is going to be the man in the middle. So um, it just shows how important the interpretation is, because like if you concede 18 penalties against Ireland in Dublin, they're going to be in big trouble. But I would say, like you touched on there, Sinead, they're going to have a big wake up call in terms of, looking at why they weren't able to adapt to the referee. Because you think even further down the line, in terms of the World Cup, like they could easily have Matthew Carley in charge. And, you know, the French public are not going to be happy if he's if they're being whistled off the park um, at a home World Cup. So um, there was loads for them to work on. I don't think I would be reading too much into the fact that they were poor. It was the first game. 
going to Rome, it can be tricky. You know, I just don't think um, they'll be they'll be as bad again in Dublin this weekend. I'd be I'd be still as concerned as I was before that game. Absolutely, I was going to ask you that. Like, how much of a reference point, uh, you know, can that will that be for Andy Farrell? And actually, there um, and of course, there's the Ireland have an extra day's rest, of course, as well compared to France. They flew back from Cardiff on Saturday night, um, and France are actually staying in Italy and flying straight from there to Dublin on Thursday, which makes sense. Obviously, it removes that. Uh, extra uh, traveling that they would have to do if they went back straight to France but there, I can't imagine it will be much of a reference point or you shouldn't think so because they will have uh, you know got that bit of a, a shock uh, an opener kind of coming into this game yeah I don't think so but at the same time you can see how much it, Italy managed to frustrate them around the, the, the breakdown and that would be really important to Ireland because just as you know a quick rock ball is so important to Ireland's game plan that's what France is you know, has been based off for the last few years as well. That's why they won a Grand Slam last year. So um, it's going to be a big test in terms of withstanding, I think, the power of the pack because we all know what DuPont and Entomac are capable of in the back line. But the, like, even like Charles Olivon, I thought, looked really off the pace in Rome yesterday, but he's only kind of just back from a long-term injury and he makes such a big difference uh, to their to their back row. So I think there was an element of probably reading, reading themselves with Dirty Diesel a little bit and you'd imagine they'll be far, far better and like the fact they're staying in Rome, like they clearly have their heads screwed on that they don't want to, you know, they don't want to take any chances this weekend because like it's such a massive game, I think, for both sides. Um, you know, France don't have any, don't have too many big away days left before the World Cup when you think about it really and the more big tests they can get away from home, I think will stand to them come come the World Cup later this year. And of course, like Andy Farrell has never beaten France. I think I'm right in That's saying right, so. Yeah. Like I think, you know, Ireland have ticked off so many boxes over the last while under Andy Farrell. And Saturday was another one winning in Cardiff. But like, you know, going out to New Zealand and winning, beating the Springboks, beating Australia. Like I said, winning in Cardiff last weekend, and you just get the sense that apart from winning a trophy, the the last unchecked box for this kind of team under Farrell is to beat France. So, um, you think that there could be a potential quarter final clash against them as well, uh, without without getting ahead of ourselves. But you know, if Ireland were to lose this weekend, I just think that that would be nagging in the back of their head by the time it comes around. But on the flip side, if they were to win, then they've nothing to fear. Like when they when they play them later, if they play them later this year, so there's so much riding on the line this weekend so is it going to be about the power game is that going to be the big kind of storyline again this week I mean Warren Gatland referenced it in his column in the Telegraph going into last weekend's game about those Leinster defeats to La Rochelle as Saracens but how much will it stand to this Ireland team that they were able to you know deal with the power game that South Africa brought to Dublin in November you know I'm sure they will take a lot out of that and you know especially now as well that we know Tyke Furlong is going to be out yeah, and let's not forget that Tyke Verlin went off injured early in, in that South Africa game and Finley Bealham came on That's and nice. was unbelievable in that yeah. game. Like so um yeah, like it's another big test over, you know, with the in terms of the power game question that is always going to hang over Irish teams. But what I like about Andy Farrell is that they don't they're they're trying their best not to get dragged into that they're 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 basically doubling down on what stood to them so well and that's playing at a high tempo. Um so like, you know, Ireland could hypothetically try and match France with a 6-2 split on the bench. You could have like players like Ryan Baird could come in and you could have, you know, two backs on the bench. But I just don't think so, that... Has Ireland ever had a 6-2 split? 
I mean, I know we've seen Leinster do it recently, but... Yeah, and, and you know what? Like, Leinster doing it recently was kind of unusual because they're very much like Ireland in terms of, like, no, let's double down in, in terms of what we're good at. So it was interesting to see Leinster do it. I don't can't remember offhand any time Ireland doing it under Andy yeah. Carroll anyway. And I don't think that that's the way to go because Ireland aren't going to beat France by looking to take them on a front. Of course... You They'll have be to falling matches. into the trap if they do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that France would love that if, if Ireland tried to take them on in a physical scrap. Wales would have loved it as well the other day, but except Ireland stuck to what they were good at, and that's playing at high tempo. So I think they have to do that again. Otherwise, like you said, it'll be a trap. They're never going to outpower this French team. It's just about matching it and doing what you're good at. So... um I don't think there's any sense within this coaching staff or group of players that they're going to try and do that. I think they know that they're going to be up against it in terms of the power stakes. And I would still have concerns about the scrum as well as Finley Beelham did last weekend. I just don't think it was the test that we thought it would be. And this French pack are not just enormous, but they're bloody good too. And they're seriously good ball players. Um, like, I was, like I said, I'm kind of writing a piece on Uni Antonio and Paul Willemse for tomorrow. But like, it's not even the power of Antonio, who's, you know, just a monstrous, monstrous man. It's what he can do on the ball. And when you've got Cyril Boy and Julian Marchand next to you, you know, it's just it's just such a world-class uh, front row. So Ireland will definitely be up against it. But if they can hold their own up front, which I do think they are capable of, we've seen how well of an oil machine I think the attack is. And it looked far better, I would say, in that opening half an hour uh, last weekend. And it probably had done in most um, throughout November, you'd have to say. So a big step forward. And also the defence was outstanding as well. That was another thing that kind of um, really reflected well when you when you watched it back. So um, Ireland are in a good place, despite the fact that they would obviously love to have Gibson Park and Tyg Furlong there. I think supporters and the coaches will be feeling much more comfortable about life given how well Conor Murray played last weekend and Finney Beelham did as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, So Andy Farrell names his team on Thursday. So, and obviously uh, Johnny Sexton needs to complete the HIA process um, as you mentioned earlier there as well. But are you going for an unchanged team so keen? Is that the way you'd you'd imagine it going? Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah, I think so. I think the Johnny Sexton passing his HIA, I think maybe a little bit of a bigger deal has been made of that. I think there was a lot of confusion um, at the time. Um, and I don't think I don't think this is like other cases with Johnny Sexton. Now I'm not a doctor, but that was just my sense, even of watching the game at the time. I think um, the referee just got a bit confused with what was going on in terms of subs and stuff. So I'd imagine Sexton will be okay. Obviously, you know Ireland have a really strong history in terms of not putting players back in. You know if they haven't completed the HIA and all that, so I wouldn't have any fears there. Yeah, like, I think the big. The two big um, selection debates, I think, will be, at least from the outside, um, are going to be uh, in inside centre if you have Stuart McCloskey or Bundy Aki. Um, we, there was no mention, actually, of Robbie Henshaw isn't back in the no, squad. No, that's right, which, yeah. Which they thought, you know, he might be. So that makes sense as well. I think, you know, Ireland don't have a game, obviously, next week. You know, give Henshaw a little bit more time and maybe he comes back in for the Italy game. So I think... the. Will it be Stuart McCloskey or will it be Bundyaki's big debate? And I think maybe the back row they could look at, but I would certainly stick. I've seen, you know, some people criticizing Peter O'Mahony's performance um, at the weekend, but how many times are we going to have this conversation where people are writing Peter O'Mahony off and then all of a sudden there's a big game around the corner and he delivers an unbelievable performance? So I'd be very surprised if Andy Farrell took Peter O'Mahony out of the team. I can understand why maybe people are calling for even someone like Gavin Coombs put a bit more size into there. To, but that that to me would be 
kind of fallen into the trap of trying to, you know, match up against France when you double down on what you're good at. So uh, you, we know the line-out threat that Peter O'Mahony offers, that'll be a huge part of the game. So I would say it will probably be unchanged. I don't think many people could have uh, too many complaints about that. What do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with that. Actually, James Ryan had some great steals as well Brilliant, in the yeah. line-out uh, the last season. He's been excellent for, I would say, the bones of 18 months now. He's really, really quietly gotten back to his best. I think it's been good that, you know, he hasn't taken on the captaincy. The captaincy, I think so, yeah. He's just been allowed to yeah. focus on his own game and absolutely keen, yeah. Yeah, and he's been brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I thought he was so important to Ireland winning the, the Test Series in New Zealand last summer. It was really good in November again, and yeah, he was brilliant. Like that line-out steal close of his own line, that's proper risk and reward stuff. If Ireland lose that line-out, they could easily be pushed over their line. So, um, And funnily enough, they actually, Leinster conceded a couple of tries, mall tries against Gloucester in the Heineken Cup when they opted to compete in the air. So clearly they're back in their, their line-out work that they've done with Paul O'Connell, and it worked to perfection there. And that's going to be such an important part uh, this weekend as well because France are very dangerous in the air too. Oh, they are. Oh, I'm getting excited, Keen. You're making me excited for yeah. it now. It should be an absolute... be great. Yeah, it is. Oh, great stuff, Keen. Uh, thanks for that. Will and Luke will be back here on Wednesday and uh, we'll also be back to go through the Ireland team after it's named on Thursday. Thanks for listening. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Rate, review and follow the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast.